on the road again just can't wait to get on the road again the life i love is making music with my friends and i can't wait to get on the road again hello and welcome to this episode of travel stories back to being recorded in the beautiful home office of chateau relaxo florida and tonight we're talking about the towns i like thanks for listening Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And we are branching into another sideshow, sideshow topic, and it's the towns I like. I'm a huge Dave Matthews Band fan, and he has a song titled The Song That Jane Likes. And the reason that the title song is titled that is it's the song that Jane likes. So I'm following suit, but with towns and the town I like tonight, is Chattanooga. But first, let's take a little spin around the interwebs. Boing Boing sent this one over. Buy your own roadside attraction. Cave City, Kentucky. Wigwam Village Motel Number 2, a registered national landmark as well as a culturally insensitive remnant of the roadside kitsch, is currently on the market for $395,000. That's fifteen. dollars Wigwam slash TPs for the price of one boring rectangular shoebox shaped house. This was built in the 1930s and it is as legit of a motel as you will ever come across during a mid 1960s road trip in your father's country squire station wagon. However, being the sensitive person that I am, I would paint the wigwam slash TPs orange and rename this site to Traffic Cone Motel Village number two. And while on the subject of hotel motels, there is a clown themed motel in Nevada, complete with a cemetery next door. That as well as the wigwam village motel number two on a road trip would probably be the piece de la resistance for my lifetime of road trips. Point Me to the Plane provides this week's Florida story, or because Florida, Florida airport evacuated after discovering a live, not dead, but a live missile. Around 2 p.m. on Friday, August 14th, a cargo container was opened at the Lakeland Lender International Airport, and I did not know that Lakeland, Florida had an international airport, which is about 30 miles from Tampa. Inside the container was a guided missile. And Lakeland Airport hadn't really had a scheduled commercial air service since 2012 when Direct Air, which flew 737s into Myrtle Beach, Niagara Falls, and I believe Springfield, Illinois, decided to roll up their ramp and liquidate. However, they do have a substantial general aviation uh, flight pattern, including some customs facilities. All I can say is insert your best pocket rocket joke into this story. Growing up, blasting caps were our big concern. They seem to be everywhere. Never personally saw one in person. Looks like today's kids have to be concerned with warheads. On the WHF work from home front, with it becoming more of a rule than exception, this next story makes a lot of sense till we get to the end of it. A backyard office delivered to your door. The website says, give yourself a quiet place to work. With a mini office next to your home, a pre-built backyard office delivered fully assembled to your curbside. Yes, delivered intact to your house. There are three models available. 
from the tiny one-person, one-desk, eight-foot-by-eight-foot, 64-square-feet of office space all the way up to the ginormous 112-square-foot, eight-foot-by-14-foot, two-desk, two-person, or you can modify it into one-desk, one-person, and seating area. And these actually are architecturally beautiful. Floor-to-ceiling windows, maple cabinets. You can throw in some upgrades such as air conditioning, which might come in handy down in Florida. They offer curtains. You can update the uh, the, the maple into a different uh, veneer or wood surface. And here's the part about it. These things are cheap. The price tag starts at about $33,000 and goes all the way up north of fifty k. However, they will put Sheila She Shed to shame. Like I said, it makes sense until you see the price. This is from the It Was Bound to Happen department. KFC, that's right, Kentucky Fried Chicken, pauses its finger-licking good slogan over the coronavirus. KFC announced last Monday that they are pausing all use of the fried chicken chain's finger-licking good slogan because of the coronavirus. They said it's just not a good idea. We've been told that touching your face is bad and licking your fingers or fingers of others while eating in a fast food restaurant can't be that great either. You know, KFC does do some tongue-in-cheek things. I think a couple years ago they made some uh, fire logs that you could throw in your fireplace that smelled like fried chicken. You know, it's fried chicken. You eat it with your fingers. If you need a slogan for instructions or motivation, I feel sorry for you. And actually speaking or talking about KFC reminds me of... One of my favorite comedians, Patton Oswald, and he delivers a flawless routine based on the epic KFC bowl. I'll try to put a link to this in the show notes. If not, go find it on YouTube. It's hilarious. Patton laments about the genius of whoever created the KFC bowl and goes on to perform a skit where a customer is recommended various items, the crunchy corn, the creamy mashed potatoes, the fun new popcorn chicken. And then the customer asks, can you take all of those food items and pile them in a single bowl for me? Patton then kind of switches hats and pretends to be the confused KFC clerk. He says, absolutely, yes, we can pile that into a bowl, but we can also arrange it on a plate like you're an adult with some self-respect and dignity. On to the focus of tonight's podcast, Towns I Like. Tonight it's Chattanooga. And the name Chattanooga comes from the Creek Indian word for rock coming to point, referring to Lookout Mountain, which begins in Chattanooga and then stretches south through Alabama and Georgia for anywhere from 80 to 90 miles. If you want to get there from Central Florida, relatively easy. Get on I-75, head north for about eight hours. You're there, save the cost of a rental. If you want to fly, you can fly into Atlanta. It's less than a two-hour flight. Get your rental car, make the two-hour drive from Atlanta into Chattanooga. For me, by the time you factor in time at the airport, getting there early, even with TSA, you're maybe going to save two hours, you know, the eight-hour drive versus six hours flying. Plus, you get to spend the money on a flight and airport parking and a rental car and all that good stuff. This is one of those adventures that if I didn't have the Southwest Companion Pass and didn't fly for free... I would definitely drive it. Your other choice is to fly into Nashville, make another two-hour drive, this time south into Chattanooga. By the time you do all the math, possibly saving two hours flying versus driving. However, the drive south out of Nashville into Chattanooga on I-24 
is absolutely gorgeous, especially in the fall with the changing leaves. Once in Chattanooga, where are you going to stay? There are two main hubs of hotels. The first is off Shallowford Road, kind of on the east side of town, up 75 by the Hamilton Mall. That exit offers an endless selection of lodgings surrounded by every single chain restaurant known to man. For me, where I usually stay, the better choice is to stay downtown amongst the many hotels, probably as many as up around Hamilton Mill, but within walking distance of most everything that you would want to do downtown. I have two favorites. The first is the Spring Hill Suites, situated right on the Tennessee River, complete with a fire pit that faces the river. And my other choice is the Hampton Inn on Chestnut Street. Again, both of these are near all the good stuff in downtown. And, and of course, the first question you're going to ask is, what is the good stuff downtown? Well, it's pretty easy. The biggest attraction is the Tennessee Aquarium, where you can have two experiences baked into one. There's a river experience as well as an ocean experience, or as they call it, journeys. So you start out on the riverside at the top of roughly an 11 or 12 story structure, and then you kind of wind your way down that structure through the river until you hit the ocean. River Journey allows you to see inhabitants from rivers all across the world. There's an Appalachian Cove that houses uh, the river otters, which everybody seems to enjoy watching, as well as there's kind of an open air aviary with a lot of American songbirds flying around. As you wind down, you'll come across the Delta Country where you'll see some alligators and some snapping turtles and things like that. They have a big display of about 145,000 gallons of water that represents the uh, Nickajack Lake of the Tennessee River Gallery. And there you'll see things like the, the paddlefish and some big channel catfishes. And then finally, you'll head out into the River Giants, which is a giant freshwater tank containing freshwater fishes, fish from all across the world, alligator, gar, alapenas, and something I did not know until I first saw it was actually freshwater stingrays. When you're finished with the river journey, you can head over to the ocean journey, which is another 60,000 square foot structure equivalent to the height of a 10-story building. This opened in 2005, 2006, and it has right around 700,000 gallons of water. You start out in the secret river and it's probably the largest tank. Uh, it continues, contains a journey through the marine sanctuary down through the Gulf of Mexico, which you view as you wander down three stories. And you're going to see things like sand tiger shark, sharks, bonnethead sharks, and of course the happy green sea turtles. And the nice thing about this is that you end up in the Boneless Beauties and Jellies, which is nothing more than a living art gallery. So they have these very small octagonal uh, tanks with jellyfish that are actually lit with kind of a fluorescent style light. And you can see the, the jellyfish kind of moving around. So it is truly a living art gallery. Really pretty cool. Uh, there's octopuses in there, spider crabs. And of course, uh, no ocean display would be complete without my favorite, the macaroni penguin, as well as uh, the gentoo penguins, which is always kind of fun to watch those guys waddle around. Plan on at least two and a half hours to see everything, probably closer to three. And of course, you get an exit through the gift shop. So grab that rental car or your personal car. And from there, we're going to head over to Rock City. Rock City opened in 1932. And it's an attraction that gained prominence after their owners, uh, Garrett and Frida Carter, hired a gentleman named Clark Byers in 1935 to paint Sea Rock City barn advertisements throughout the Southeast and Midwest United States. 
We've talked about it before. Byers painted close to 900 barn roofs and walls in 19 states by the time he hung up his paintbrush in 1969. Its claim to fame was that you could see seven states from its observation platform, or as they call it, Lover's Leap. And the states they claim were Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and of course, Alabama. This claim was long before air pollution set in from all the uh, paper mills throughout the valley. Tickets are right around 22 bucks for the tour. COVID has put some restrictions in place when it comes to times and how many people can be in. And for all you coffee nerds, there is a Starbucks at the top right across from Rock City. From Rock City, you're going to take about a two to three mile drive to Lookout Mountain Railway. This is an inclined railway that goes up and down historic Lookout Mountain. It's the world's steepest passenger railway. Been in operation since uh, 1895, 1896. It's actually on the National Historic Sites as well as, and I didn't know this existed, but there is a mechanical engineering landmark designation. And so this has this as well. Make sure you visit the machine room where you'll see these giant gears, four and five, six feet tall, that actually put the train in motion as it goes back up and down the, the track. The last trip, I got the front seat of the car and ran a time lapse on my GoPro as we went back up. Thrilling, right? <laughs> it was something to do. I think tickets are less than 15 bucks. You're not going to spend much more than an hour, maybe an hour and a half there at the most. From there, you want to go to Ruby Falls, which is the nation's tallest and deepest underground waterfall open for a price to the public. <laughs> there are several tours. I advise dropping the $33 on the lantern tour. You can tour the cavern and falls illuminated only by handheld lanterns. You'll see the rock formations take on some interesting shadows as the light kind of bounces around the rooms. And of course, their elite guides will share stories exclusive to this tour. And that's the best part of any of these tours are the, the stories that you get to hear. You'll be able to hear the, the sound of the thundering falls before you see uh, an intricate system of pulleys that the, the lanterns light up as the waterfall creates uh, memories and, and moments that you'll remember. It's a lot of fun. You know, if you search online, you can find a combination ticket to all three of these. It'll save you a few dollars and all three are worth going. You can do it easily within one day's time. You can't talk about Chattanooga without talking about booze. There is the Chattanooga Whiskey, which is a distillery that's actually in the middle of downtown. Uh, great little tour, great little tasting room. I think we left with a couple bottles. Our last trip there was, I think, two or three years ago, and I don't think we've cracked either one of them. So that's kind of surprising with all the COVID is we've been having routine uh, bourbon and whiskey samplings, at least on a weekly or semi-weekly basis. There's also Jack Daniels Distillery. You have to go at least once in your lifetime, even if you're not a fan of whiskey. I've been a fan of Jack Daniels since my teen years. Uh, you know, back then we could actually drink when we were 18. And the story that goes with that is I was born on September 30th, exactly nine months after New Year's Eve. Do the math. There was definitely alcohol involved in my conception. Well, I turned 18, so that had to have been... I don't know. I can't even do the math. Uh, it must have been 1982. And on October 1st, they raised the drinking age to 19. So I was automatically grandfathered in, uh, even though I had just turned 18. And of course, 
later on because kids are kids they ended up raising the drinking age to 21 i think pretty much across the united states so back to jack daniels here's a tip leave your purse in the car you're not going to need it need it but definitely take your license you will need that and a debit card placed firmly in your pocket the visitor center is full of memorabilia and details that covers the jack daniels history the jack daniels story the distillery offers roughly five different tours all can be booked online the last time we went we went with the angel share tour because it included samples cost 22 bucks and was well worth it uh, the tour probably ran anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours my favorite part of the tour was the single barrel society room so here's the skinny let's say that you're enjoying a just a classic bottle of jack daniels old number seven the one with the black label that is anywhere from 20 to 25 dollars at your local liquor store guess what there's no other bottle in the world that tastes exactly like that one and the reason is they combine a multitude of distilled barrels into a run you know the temperature the age of the whiskey how long it's been stored influences the taste of that run and it can't be reproduced again so that's where the single barrel society comes in if you have a spare ten thousand to twelve thousand dollars depending on local taxes and legislation you can buy your own barrel with one consistent taste that entire yield of your barrel will give you around 240 bottles which they ship to you in six bottle cases so give the amazon guy a little bit of a break as he has to wheel handful or truckload full of cases of booze to your front door couple more Jack Daniels facts you may or may not be aware of, but you cannot buy Jack Daniels at the distillery. That's right. The county is dry, so you can't buy the whiskey. However, there is nothing prohibiting the sale of commemorative bottles, a bottle that's right around the same price as a bottle of Gentleman Jack. It just so happens to come filled with Gentleman Jack. So they don't sell whiskey, but they do sell commemorative bottles that just so happened to be filled with whiskey. So kind of a little little play on things there. The trees on the property are covered in black moss, and that's because the trees have been tainted by, and this is some kind of biological word that I can't pronounce, but it's nothing more than a whiskey fungus that's found near distilleries. Frank Sinatra was buried with a bottle of Jack Daniels, and in return, they offer a Frank Sinatra bottle. We actually had a sample of that. Pretty good. I've seen it in stores a few times. Uh, I think it's well over $100. The difference between bourbon and whiskey is whiskey has to be stored in charred white oak new barrels. So every barrel at Jack Daniels is used one time, and then they ship the barrels overseas to wineries and, and things like that. Another interesting fact is that no one knows when a batch is ready for bottling, except for the master distiller. He's the one that goes by look, taste, and smell. Seems like a pretty decent job to have. Now, there's also no shortage of local breweries around Chat Vegas. Uh, there's three of them that are no more than a walk from the Hampton Inn, possibly an Uber ride back if you need that, if you uh, sample a little bit too much. They do not have um, bird scooters in Chattanooga. I think they ran them out a few years ago. So you're going to have to rely on Uber or taxi. Public service announcement, don't drive drunk. The first one is the Chattanooga Brewing Company. Go with the Hill City IPA. It's a very West Coast-styled IPA. Super aromatic, super fruity, 
comes in at about 7.2 APV. From there, we are going to go literally right next door to the Naked River Brewing Company. And we're going to sample the Cosmic Turtle Blood Orange Hazy IPA. And somehow they managed to fit all that text onto a beer can label. This is another IPA. It's a hazy IPA. Comes in at 6.2 APV. And then from Naked River, it's a little bit of a walk to the Hutton and Smith Brewing Company. And it's walkable. And after watching Forrest Gump, I've learned that almost anything is walkable, but it is. I go with the Promenade IPA. Notice a pattern with the IPAs. Uh, the Promenade is very juicy, very tropical. Another hazy IPA. This one's a little bit lighter weight, coming in at about 5.2 APV. I've really gotten into more and more of the hazy IPAs. Last year on a road trip through uh, New York, a friend turned me on to them. And a lot of the production breweries like Sierra Nevada, uh, as well as Wicked Weed, have actually put out a line of uh, well-distributed or, or put out in the grocery stores down here several hazy IPAs. I like them. They're a little bit thicker. They look almost kind of like a orange juice or a grapefruit juice. And of course, don't forget, there's a Pints and Petals. Yes, another one of those human-powered cycling bar slash trolleys. This is a necessity for any major town. Of course, the Bachelorette Party Singing Journeys Don't Stop Believing is not necessarily included. You know me, I'm going to talk about food. Three places that are definitely worth seeking out, not necessarily chains. One of them is the Big River Grill and Brewing Works. This is not too far from the hotel. Whenever I'm in town, I usually end up here, and it's for a couple reasons. Like I said, it's within walking distance of the two hotels. Uh, the other is one of my best memories there was in 2015 when we did a Chateau Relaxo New Year's tour. We started with the typical Asiago artichoke crab dip and then split some California Sun Pizza, closed out the evening with several beer flights, all of which were their own beers. The service here is always great. Waitstaff is attentive. The best part is they know about beer. They know especially about their own beer. And look, you know, beer flights are a great value, and they, they do growlers to go as well. Definitely worth stopping in on, on the main drag in downtown Chattanooga. This next one is Slick's Burgers. I ended up here for lunch probably about 18 months ago. It was on the recommendation of the uh, client we were with. I went with a very simple seven ounce Slick Burger, complete with caramelized onions and cheese. And for me, oftentimes a simple burger is the best burger. You don't need all the, as my wife says, goopage on top. <laughs> um, of course, that was uh, accompanied by their truffle fries. And by the time I was done with my meal, I was talking in my fat voice. The decor is definitely eclectic. Uh, you place your order through the window of a repurposed aluminum travel trailer that's inside the warehouse. Go grab a seat and you can take a look at, uh, well, man, they've got all kinds of neon signs mixed with truly Americana, almost like a Cracker Barrel kind of look and feel to it. But 10x for lack of a better term this is a business lunch so we didn't partake in the beer offerings but they had a pretty solid looking beer menu can't wait to get back there in the evening and test that one out the last place i recommend is urban stack and it's right behind chattanooga whiskey D distillery this appears to be a local hangout i can definitely see why everything was good we started last trip our last meal there with their smoking hot pimento cheese dip and of course, a couple adult beverages. I think uh, 
my wife had the Diet Coke and vodka, and I went with the classic old-fashioned. Everything looks delicious. I, of course, being the fat guy, went with the Dirty Bird Sandwich, a spicy fried chicken and cheese with a side of honey. <laughs> my tiny partner ordered the Kobe Beef Burger. She gave it a thumbs up. I'm not much of a Kobe burger guy. They're just, I don't know, everybody raves about them, but to me, they're just a little bit on, too much on the rich side, a little bit too much, uh, too intense of a flavor. Three places that you can eat when you're in Chattanooga. At least visit one of them. If you are a Civil War history nerd, uh, you can spend easily a day touring everything that Chattanooga has to offer. You can start out at the Chickamauga and Chattanooga National Military Park. This is about a four to six hour tour. It's self-guided. You can hike throughout the battlefields. There's monuments, markers, a couple scenic vistas where you get a view. From there, you can head over to the Chattanooga National Cemetery, which is down the street from Slick's Burgers. You're going to get hungry. So after you're done touring or before you're touring the cemetery, head over to Slick's, but spend an hour or so touring a 150-year-old cemetery. You know, growing up, my mom used to take pieces of paper and some lead pencils, and we'd go to the cemetery when we were visiting deceased relatives and, and make tombstone etchings. Looking back, that's pretty creepy. Finish your day off at the Chattanooga History Center. The museum has a very extensive Civil War collection with roughly four to 500 different pieces in it. If you are looking for a place to wind down after a long touristy day, take the Walnut Street Bridge, which is right next to the Tennessee Aquarium across the Tennessee River and visit Coolidge Park. Absolutely beautiful. There is an antique carousel, a water and fountain play area, which I'm sure right now due to COVID is probably closed down. And there's a handful of restaurants, all local, no major chains. So again, you can sample a little bit more of the Chattanooga food offerings. While you're there, snap a picture of the blue rhino. And there's a huge blue rhino. There was a lot of controversy over the purchase or how to purchase it. It was about $32,000. Get yourself a picture of the blue rhino for no other reason that you can show your friends that you have a picture of a blue rhino. If your thing is hiking, plenty of places to hike. Uh, log into alltrails.com, create a free account with your Google credentials or make up some kind of bogus username, but you'll get access to all kinds of things. There's a three-mile, very moderate hike called Craven's House Trail. Double that if you're looking for a six-mile hike. Again, moderate. There's Snooper's Rock Trail. And this last one is a four point or 3.8-mile moderate hike again. But the only reason to hike this trail is because of its name. It is the Suck Creek Road to Mushroom Creek. I'm sorry. It's the Suck Creek Road to Mushroom Rock. So a lot of words there, but you got to hike anything that's named Suck Creek. All three of those are an easy drive outside of Chattanooga. In case you're totally bored, there is still more to do. None of these I have been to or participated in. There is the International Towing and Recovery Museum. See, there's something for everybody. <laughs> the Chattanooga Zoo, the Raccoon Mountain Caverns, which I have read a lot about, just never been there. It, you know, there's, like I said, there's no shortage of stuff to do around Chattanooga. That's the main reason this is one of the towns that I like. Next week, I think we're going to focus on a North Carolina town that has uh, a couple major attractions. We'll maybe try to get an interview in there with some uh, some people that live there. But for right now, I appreciate you listening. 
That's about it. But if you have a comment, you can leave a voicemail at acre.com or send me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. Each day we're getting closer to traveling and I'm getting closer to returning to saying travel safe. But until then, just stay safe and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.